Flexmuscle.com brings you Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, your body, and your spirit. Alternative medicine, muscle growth, mood enhancement, motivation, putting your mind at ease, harnessing your maximum potential. Quantum Physiques, here's your host, Brian Cunningham. And welcome to another episode of Quantum Physiques, where we strive to build power for mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, joining you here on RxMuscle.com, of course. Got a lot of good feedback in the last couple of shows. The, um, the first one, of course, was on love and the dynamics of all that. Not really, of course, with the traditional societal view, but I guess looking at a deeper metaphysical perspective. Got some good feedback from some people. And, you know, one thing I want to talk about there that was actually a pretty good point was about, um, I guess, people thinking that maybe in some way I was down on the so-called romantic love. And I'm really not just because it is our basic programming. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that there's anything wrong or bad with it, actually. And uh, referring to those comments about Jesus and the Buddha both saying to leave your family, I am in no way condoning you leaving your family, of course. And I just want to make sure you don't misunderstand that. Um, you know, I do think that they were the Spartacus, in essence. I'm not sure if anyone out there is watching that show, but if you're a big quantum physiques fan, you've obviously seen Jeff and I both big fans of Game of Thrones and Spartacus is another one, of course. And there's a... A warrior. It's kind of funny how you know we love these shows because of the the roller coaster ride. We love roller coaster rides for the same reason, actually, because you're kind of in a, in a safe way you're mimicking what it means to be truly alive. Because as we all know, you're actually more alive when you're closer to death. When you're in the arena of life, or in the arena as Spartacus and the gladiators were. That is ironically where you really are the closest to, to, to death. And that's why you're so alive. And that's why people like myself, of course, uh, have talked about the zen of adrenaline. Why like extreme sports like mountain biking and snowboarding and scuba diving for me are such a passion because of the fact that they put me on that edge, that razor's edge, um, where you really do appreciate or you're more intensely connected with the experience of being alive. And of course... In, a, in another way, but equally as, if not more valid, actually, is the way of the great teachers like uh, Lao Tzu and uh, Rumi and Jesus, where um, by going inside and confronting your mortality or confronting, in essence, you know, killing the ego, so to speak, you actually do reemerge um, more alive. And of course, again, I would even say that as a robot or as a biological robot or as a, you know, wind up doll, that whole we did we did the whole thing with the metaphor that the fact that who really is alive and who's dead. I mean, uh, I think that's why these people were talking about waking up in a sense as a metaphor to coming alive and realizing the infinite and, and, and eternal. So, yeah, as far as families are concerned, again, I'm not telling anybody they should leave their family, but I, I think what it does mean, though, at least in a metaphorical sense, is to leave them in a sense for the journey inward to start out uh, as Jeff had said last week with the um, I guess the allegory of the cave. And seeing the light, you know, obviously you're listening to this show. You're one of the few people that knows there's something else to, to, to this life. There's something else beneath the surface. This is what's going on. here. This is what quantum physics and quantum physics, of course, is dedicated to is showing the, the grand illusion, which, you know, in some ways can be so daunting and depressing, but also awe-inspiring. And so, you know, you don't have to leave your job. You don't have to do anything, actually. Lao Tzu writes, you just got to sit and wait till you know the mud settles and your water clears. Again, the metaphor of your mind is like this muddy water, and you're just like you're lost inside of it. But if you can simply sit and wait for the mud to settle and the water to clear, you'll have such lucidity in your life 
uh, it, it will really transform you. And so, you know, of course, you don't have to leave anybody, but you definitely need to start leaving in a sense of making that journey inward. Uh, last week, of course, we had some good feedback both on Facebook and on the uh, forum. And once again, if you guys would uh, just, you know, give Jeff and I a shout and like our page on Facebook, the Quantum Physiques page, that'd be great. We do appreciate your support. But, um, you know, last week, Bear Walker, phenomenal. Really got some really cool concepts going there with uh, the whole concept of bending time. I actually want to do a whole show on that because I was thinking about that. It's a pretty phenomenal idea. About how as an athlete, of course, when you're in that zone, when you're wired, right, when you're really connected to as close as possible to the now, you actually transcend space and time. This is why Neo could dodge bullets. This is why Spartacus or some of these uh, Kung Fu fighters actually can, in a sense, predict. This is why the studies, again, the Kung Fu fighters can actually predict movements of their opponents by sensing their chi and again, we did this on a show many, many, many moons back about the studies on precog, on precognition, and how when people were put into an environment where they were given random images generated by a computer, and then they were given, I guess, some um, sexual images, and they were monitored for their pulses and their feedback and all that kind of stuff, the people began to have um, responses to the sexual images before the images even came up, actually, which shows, again, the fact that the brain on some deeper level is it has precognition. And of course, they were saying that this was an evolutionary advantage because if people could predict uh, sexual responses, the genes that predicate those behaviors would get passed on. So this is all very real. It really is. And, uh, you know, again, the whole idea of being in the now, uh, again, this is the fabric of reality, the, 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 the fabric of energy that actually, um, what's the word, inspires or gives life to this wind-up doll you call yourself is actually consciousness. And I'm not really sure if it's a dimension or if it's a dimensionless phenomenon. I've, people call it God. We don't really know. It's beyond words. But I can tell you that the now is another word for that. God the now, consciousness, the field, morphic resonance, they're all pointing to the same thing. And this is something that cannot really be put into words, of course, but you can experience it. I think Satori, as I've said before, is one way. When you quiet the mind and you can center yourself, you can start to actually, when the water clears and your mud settles, as Lao Tzu writes, you can actually start to experience this field. And if you think about it, when you see something happening, it's just part of the matrix. There are photons of light coming from that person, say in the gym as an example, right? He's walking towards you. The photons of light are bouncing off of him and hitting you in the eye. Of course, then the photons trigger electrons in your eye, signaling your brain. Your brain, of course, has, a, uh, in a sense, a computer, a program that interprets this data, just a bunch of ones and zeros coming in, almost like Morse code. It's so simplistic. It's like Morse code coming in. Beep, 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 beep. And the program in your brain is actually deciphering or perceiving what the reality is. So of course, it may seem instantaneous to you, but trust me, light has to travel at a certain speed. Uh, the speed of light, of course, 126,000 miles per second. And there is a time lapse there. And so what happens, of course, is that when you are present and you are not, in essence, just reading the photons to the electrons, you are, in a sense, transcending that. You're probably in some way more present in the now, which is really a non-local phenomenon. Remember we said how quantum particles don't really exist in any one space and time. They're actually non-local. It's like a quantum soup. So by tapping into the now, to this field of consciousness, you in essence are reading 
this quantum soup before it materializes into the real world. And that gives these people like Neo in the Matrix the ability to start moving in the direction where, boom, the bullets fire even before he begins moving. But he already is reading that because he's tapped into the presence of consciousness or God or divinity source, whatever you want to call that. It's pretty cool stuff, definitely. So we're going to take a quick break. I have a really interesting guest on tonight. We're going to discuss my 4F formula. F is in Frank. I have a formula for life. It's called the 4F formula. And there's one F we have not covered on the show yet. So come back and check out this fourth F uh, on Quantum Physiques. Once again, I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. Stay tuned. We're right back. Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, body, and spirit. Myotropics Physique Nutrition is the most exciting supplement company to come along in decades. That's because Myotropics isn't just another company. It's the brainchild of iconic metabolic expert, Dr. Scott Connolly, the inventor of the original body recomposition product that changed the industry and allowed millions of people to get in the best shape of their life. And CEO Vince Andrich, author of the groundbreaking Physique Athlete Guide. Myotropics flagship product, Physique 2.0, contains their exclusive Meta Effects Amino CD protein compound that maximizes whole body protein economy, your personal linchpin for gaining and retaining the most muscle while also shedding maximum body fat. Plus, Physique 2.0 contains the world's first legitimate fat-burning carbohydrate, Meta Effects FAO-CHO, for full hard muscle and increased fat burn. If you live to develop the ultimate physique, go with Myotropics, real people that live to develop physique nutrition. Go to Myotropics.com. It's your body. It's your art. Master it. Myotropics.com. Visit ExtremeFitNutrition.com, the newest and hottest supplement super site. We carry all the major brands, including Species, MHP, BPI, BSN, Optimal Nutrition, Gaspari, and many more. Low on cash? No problem. ExtremeFitNutrition.com offers competitive prices that our competitors can't beat. Now you can supplement your diet without having to supplement your bank account. Here's some of our specials. Buy $100 worth of Species products or Metabolic Nutrition and get a free t-shirt and bag. Buy two $200 worth of BSN products and receive a BSN t-shirt and shaker bottle. Remember, there's only one extreme. Visit ExtremeFitNutrition.com now. Out on the edge of fitness and endurance, there's a line. It's where winners and losers are defined. That's the narrow place where Gamma O gives the serious competitor the extra step. That extra kick nobody knew was there. Gamma O raises your testosterone level naturally and legally. So before you step up to the line one more time, be prepared to bring it with Gamma O, the all-natural testosterone booster. Gamma O is available nationwide at general nutrition centers or on the web at GammaO.com. If you train hard, you need to recover hard. Training elevates cortisol, but so does stress and tension. Stress is the number one health risk you face today, and not only causes you to put on abdominal fat, but it's also one of the contributing factors in the top six causes of death, which includes heart disease and cancer. But now you can relieve that stress, rebuild, recover, and feel great with fast-acting Gabitrol. Gabitrol works quickly to help you improve relaxation and recovery, reduce cortisol, elevating stress, and reduce binge eating. Plus, Gabitrol will also help you to get that deep, restful sleep. Warriors are built, not born. And now you can build a better body with fast-acting Gabitrol. Recommended by New York Times number one best-selling author, Dr. John Gray, Gabitrol is available now at rxstress.com. Hydrolyze Ultra. 
the leader in cellular hydration water. Hydrolyze Ultra Water has been designed by shrinking and reshaping molecules to allow a faster and more sustained delivery into your cells. Our cellular water has gone through a magnetism and laser treatment process, along with adding electrolytes to our special ingredients. This allows all nutrients to be absorbed at a maximum cellular state. By using Hydrolyze Ultra, all nutrients, supplements, and carbohydrates you consume will be absorbed at a greater rate. Lactic acid gets flushed faster, and you'll feel fully hydrated. Get the advantage that top athletes have achieved. Try Hydrolyze Ultra today. Visit HydrolyzeUltra.com. That's HydrolyzeUltra.com. P28 High Protein Bread is the official bread of RX Muscle. Are you looking to incorporate more protein into your meals or just want to enjoy bread again? Then look no further. Try the 100% natural P28 High Protein Bread. P28 High Protein Bread is a formulated revolutionary breakthrough product. Packed with whey protein isolate, 14 grams of protein per slice, 12 grams of carbs, 8 essential amino acids, and made with 100% whole wheat. Fear bread no more. Build a better body with P28. Order today at highproteinbread.com. P28 is also now available at bodybuilding.com and many other retailers. Order now. Highproteinbread.com. P28 Bread. RX Muscle approved. Fusion Bodybuilding makes bodybuilding's strongest supplements, and they're committed to giving back to you. Fusion Bodybuilding not only want to promote the bodybuilding lifestyle, but they also want to help build the sport. Bodybuilding is all they do. It's their obsession. You know the feeling. That's why you're here. Visit Fusion Bodybuilding at FusionBodybuilding.com or join in on the conversation on the Fusion Bodybuilding fan page on Facebook, where you'll find IFBB Pro Q&As, contest giveaways, and nothing but in-depth bodybuilding talk. Fusion Bodybuilding, bodybuilding's strongest supplements. Head over to FusionBodybuilding.com today. RxMuscle.com. Now you have a place to turn when you want the truth on bodybuilding, diet, and exercise, up-to-the-minute news, and more. Visit the RxMuscle.com forums featuring celebrity Q&As with IFBB professional athletes, top amateurs, and the brightest minds in the industry. Listen to our weekly radio shows including Heavy Muscle Radio, Muscle Girls Inc., After Hours, and more. Contest coverage, videos, even our own social networking site, RxMuscleplace. Visit RxMuscle.com. And welcome back to Quantum Physiques, where we strive to build strength and power for mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, of course. Now, before the break, I mentioned my 4F formula. And what that stands for, of course, is as a wind-up doll, as a biological robot, you're programmed for three Fs. Foraging, of course, for food, of course. That's the first F. Fighting, of course, for mates and for food. And then if you're lucky, fornicating, which is the third F. And of course, if you get either one of those three, you attain a momentary elated feeling that I call the fourth F, which is freedom. So we're really always seeking those three Fs, foraging, fighting, and fornicating. So we have a sense of freedom. But of course, this show is dedicated to skipping those three Fs and going right to the meat, which is the fourth F for freedom, of course, which really there is a freedom out there, guys, as you know, that you can have that doesn't depend on any of the other Fs, of course. With that said, there is something in the show we have never covered, which is the third F, which would be finding a loved one. Maybe I'll use that word finding for a little more of a, uh, of a co-ed audience here because uh, I don't want to go too much into the uh, cuss words. But um, yeah, finding somebody that is worthy of your time, of course. You know, again, you know, Dr. John Martini says, we're never loyal to anybody, just so you know. We're loyal to our values. And when somebody meets our values, then the pain of leaving them 
is not is it balances out or is worse than the pleasure of having them in our lives. So we keep them in our lives actually, you know. So with that said, and one more thing I want to add about that too is that, you know, the stuff we talk about on the show will help you here as well. Um, I have somebody on the line here. His name is Jeff Magic. He's a friend of Dave Palumbo who actually runs the rxmuscle.com website. And Jeff definitely seems to get it on, on a deeper level. And I really respect the fact that he understands the dynamics of social relationships, of social skill building, and of projecting alpha male, alpha female presence because this isn't just about finding a mate. It really is about having um, the wherewithal to be successful and to be confident in every social setting because, again, you are defined by your, the context of your social relationships. So the more you can step up and not necessarily have to beat down everybody but have confidence, be able to articulate yourself and use verbal wordsmithing in a sense, right? Be very crafty and, and quick with your re- responses and stuff. You will succeed in life better. So with that said, I want to welcome Jeff Magic. Jeff, welcome to Quantum Physiques. Thank you very much, Brian. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jeff, of course, this really is more than just um, going out and developing skills with meeting people of the opposite sex, or if you're, if you're gay, of course, meeting some of the same sex. It really is about developing a set of skills, a social skills that you take with you everywhere. Isn't that not correct? Absolutely. Great. Um, now, of course, we have a co-ed audience, Jeff, so try to just keep that in mind uh, when you structure your responses. But um, you know, tell us a little bit about your background and what got you into this because you know, believe it or not, I, I really have met you. I've, I've seen you on some of the shows here, and you're a good-looking guy. And so when you told me your story, it was really kind of a, a, an interesting story about where you came from and what you had to go through. Yeah, well, basically it started, uh, I have ADD, and people with ADD have a tendency to have trouble picking up on social skills because they're kind of in their own world. So I was, and I was also, I have an eccentric personality, so I was very much into Michael Jackson and just doing weird things for attention. (laughs) And in like seventh grade, I started, that's, you know, when... I mean, let's put it this way. I won uh, the most handsome award in first grade. And then I went into junior high school. I'll never forget this. I went into junior high school. And the first day, all the girls thought I was really cute. And then I started dancing like Michael Jackson. And I was making all these noises. I was like, I'm doing all this, like, you know, singing and moonwalking and stuff. And because everybody tries to play too cool for school, especially at that age, um, I didn't fit in. So immediately I was a social outcast and my social skills were probably that of a third or fourth grader. Um, so they would just say, you're weird. And I would be like, if I saw the cool kids, I would just kind of walk the other way. I got picked on a lot and stuff like that. So then when I came around to be about 18, 17, I started working out and developing muscle. And I noticed I got a lot of attention and respect. Like guys stopped picking on me. Girls were really throwing stuff. But again, because I didn't have social skills and I wasn't masculine, I looked for validation from everybody because I didn't have a father figure growing up. And my mom was dating, you know, men that were alcoholics and it was just a big mess. There was no role model for me on how to, I had no model on how to become a man. So I then, then became a stripper. Um, I won a hot body contest. I became a stripper and here I was now 24 and in dynamic shape. Um, I mean, everywhere I went, people stared at me and I was dating fat girls 
And what was what was really <laughs> sickening about it for me was that I would go and do strip shows, and the girls would worship me, and they'd say, you can have any girl you want. You can have any girl you want. You're so good looking. And I would actually say to them, actually, no, I can't. Every time I go to talk to girls that I'm attracted to, they don't want me. It's the girls that I'm not attracted to that do. And actually, because I was so handsome and in such good shape that girls or women that were less attractive would reject me because they didn't feel qualified because they were like, why would this good-looking guy want to go out with me? So not only was I getting rejected by attractive women, <laughs> I was getting rejected by ugly women because I was overqualified. It sounds like a movie. It sounds like a Steve Martin movie. <laughs> it was unbelievable, Brian. And I, I, you know, 20, I mean, I would get the validation. I was the type of guy that was good looking, but you hear women say it all the time. As soon as he opened his mouth, I would have had a better chance of not opening my mouth and just, you know, taking them all. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I would try to have sex with girls on the first date. You know, I would walk right up to them and be like, you're pretty. Do you have a boyfriend? Can I have your phone number? Those were like the three things. And I'd have a very serious look on my face. That's exactly what I did. And I did that from 18 I didn't learn from my lessons. I did that from 18 to 33, that same exact pattern. <laughs> Once in a while, I would be able to hold on to a pretty girl. I'm not saying I haven't had pretty girls, but most of them were, were heavy set or ugly. And people, you would see them, they would look at me. They'd be like, why is this good looking guy with this, this heavy set or ugly woman? Like, they would just, they couldn't make the connection. And it was my self esteem issue. I thought, my mom's a born again Christian. I thought that she had actually put a curse on me and that God <laughs> didn't want me with an attractive woman. My, I mean, my entire life. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Okay, so let's um, skip to the part where you actually had the, uh, you know, the, the transformation, I guess, then. You went out and schooled yourself, right? Well, what happened was I read a book, Always Talk to Strangers. I was, I was going, this was back in 2005, and the information that's available now on how to meet women and how to become an alpha male um, wasn't around really yet. And I read a book, Always Talk to Strangers, and he was a dating coach and he was charging $10,000. His name was David Wagan. Wow. And he said, you know, listen, man, I, I said, you know, I'm a good looking guy. I, I, I can't get girls. I don't understand. Every girl I like doesn't like me, and every girl I like, every girl I like doesn't like me, and every girl I don't like likes me. It's been the story of my life. He's like, look, you know what? There's a new book that just came out. Because I had been reading all these books. I even read his book. And his book helped a little bit, but it wasn't enough. It was more about yeah. relationships and saying, you know, what's the story behind that ring, all this other stuff. And it wasn't working. So I read the game, and this is a story for a lot of people. This book, you know, blasted open the community. I mean, this is how it's evolved. And it was a best-selling book. That's right. Yeah. And it, it broke down every single thing that I had been doing wrong. I had played, um, I tried to be their friends. I tried to buy them things. I tried to, I would sing on the phone for them. I would do all kinds of things and they were all weird. So I was goofy. I wasn't confident. I'd be on the date and be like, do you like me so far? What do you think of the date so far? So do you want to see me again? And trying to have sex with them on the first date. So <coughs> basically after reading this book, my mind was blown open and I went, Oh my God, I've been making every mistake that this book says not to make. And I was going against everything. It was counterintuitive. It was the elusive obvious. It was right in front of me and I couldn't figure it out. I wasn't, I was not smart enough to so figure it out. So what did you do next then? What was the next step to get overcome this? Well, I read the mystery method. 
Oh, okay. Mr. He's got a show on TV. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was on to this stuff before the VH1 show came out. Okay, so Did you pay that guy $10,000? What's that? Did you pay that coach $10,000? No, I never, I never took a boot camp or anything like that. I oh, just wow, bought okay. the book and CDs and, you know, I just read, I taught myself. It took me three and a half years to change all my limiting, self-limiting <laughs> beliefs and actually become a man. I had no idea. I was a boy, man. I was a boy, man. And I was also insecure, and I'd gotten beaten up a lot when I was younger. That's when I started body bodybuilding. But even underneath that, I was still fearful of men. So sure. I started training with uh, Matt Serra, and I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And that is what, between reading and studying this stuff, I believe every man should know how to fight. Every man should train for strength. And every man, if he doesn't know and he's not confident enough to go and walk up to people, whether it's men or women, should learn how to fight should learn how to get their social skills together and learn how to just be comfortable in their own skin and be a man. Because once you develop your confidence and your social muscles, which is are you turn out to be your social skills, you can just, these, these natural traits that are in the game and all this information just naturally come out. I'll give you a perfect example. Will Smith is the definition of cool. Cool is, this is the definition of cool. It's lukewarm. You're not too hot. You're not too cold. If you're yeah. hanging out with a bunch of geeks, you're okay with that. If you're hanging out with squares, you're okay with that. If you're hanging out with guys that are, you know, fake confronting, you're okay with that because you're comfortable in your own skin. You're not judging people. And, you know, it's kind of like Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was a cool president, you know. And uh, there's more reasons than that why I think he's cool, but I won't talk about that on the show. Well, he, had charisma. <laughs> he had charisma, though. I mean, that, that's, again, part of being alpha. Oh, he, he had charisma. He had a lot of charisma. You know, because a lot of guys that come from our background, which, again, most men don't have a lot of self-esteem. We have, you know, male, the male uh, role model in society oftentimes is not really strong enough for us to have any sense of identity. So we have to build it ourselves. So a lot of us get into like the wrong things and sometimes it's fighting and bodybuilding or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, through that process though, you've been humbled and I kind of find that because you're a very humbled kind of guy, actually. I mean, I think, you know, on some of these shows, maybe people misinterpret you, but you're a very lovable guy. I think you reveal a part of your heart. And this is what the show is about here because now I always say to people in the show is that, you know, like Jesus and Lao Tzu and the Buddha always talk about letting go of your ego. Uh, Lao Tzu writes, for example, know the personal, but stick to the impersonal. And of course, this means in this sense, never take rejection personally. Isn't that part of being humble is letting go of your ego? Because really, when you do that, you're more empowered. Is that not correct? Yes, you're more empowered and you're more empowered by people because when you let go of your ego and you drop and you show your vulnerabilities, that lets other people drop their social personas that we put on when we go out into society. If you're real with people yes. first, most people will feel comfortable and drop their guard and be real with you. And, you know, we all have, we all are born without um, sexual identities and we have to learn how to develop them. And most men... Uh, that are naturals and that are good with women, which is about 5 to 10%, and the 20% that are confident all around except for in the area of women had strong fathers. They had strong father figures. So there's an area, this is something that I find very interesting with women and men that are confident but aren't good and only the 5% that are good naturally because they're just uber naturals. Like some people are just naturally good at fighting or surfing or whatever is that you can take a man that's confident, he's, uh, you know, 
somebody like, let's say, Donald Trump. He's got his whole life together. You put him in front of a hot woman, and his confidence crumbles. He starts talking about how much money he makes. He's, he's you know, qualifying himself to her. And this is an area that really has to be worked on. And a lot of this goes back to that we're not really wired as human beings to really know, get to know strangers because we never had to do it up until yes, 100 years Yes, good point. Ago. Exactly. We it always, comes back to our tribalistic roots. Exactly, buddy. We're not wired. We're not <laughs> wired. We're not really that well wired to meet people, especially the opposite sex. The, the way, the reason why that like 85 to 90% of people, I guarantee you, anybody listening to the show, male or female, that most of the people have met each other in their social circles, meaning either through a friend, work, school, someone who knows somebody in the family. Exactly. And then you have your, your anomalies where they met at a bar or they met on online dating. But we're not wired for that. So when you go to try to uh, speak to a woman on the street, our nervous systems go alert, alert, alert. The women yes. are worried about being raped, killed, whatever. And the men are worried about uh, somebody smashing, you know, a stone over their head because that would be what would happen. Now, if you got rejected, the reason this, there's a couple reasons there's such fear behind approaching women. It's not only the, the pressure of other people laughing, which doesn't matter today, but it did when we were in tribal communities. Uh, because if everybody laughed at you, and let's say there were only four girls that were pretty enough and young enough to be your mate, if you went up to the girl, one of the girls in the tribes, and you tried to ask her out, and she rejected you, the other three girls, because that one girl rejected you, would not go for you because that would lower Thanks. her social value within that tribe. Exactly. So not only that, but we didn't have TV. We didn't have this. That. People for weeks on end would gossip about, ha, 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 he, 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 he got rejected. So yes. that stays in our brain. We're outdated machines. I go into a Starbucks now, anybody. Anywhere you go, there's 7 million people on Long Island alone. I walk into a Starbucks, and I blow it, okay? And I've blown it a million times when I was practicing. And everybody laughs, and the girl, you know, says, you know, get away from me, you're a weirdo. The second I walk out of that Starbucks, I, I can go down the street to, or down, you know, a couple miles, go down to the next Starbucks, do it right. Let's try again. Yeah. And I'm fine. My, my, I don't have a reputation. The only way that this applies still is in very small towns in the Midwest and stuff like that. People are very careful. It's like in high school. If you remember in high school, if you messed up in high school, you, how quick did it spread that you did something wrong or that you were this or you were that? It, it doesn't matter when you're in a large, you know, context like this where we're on Long Island with this, you know, millions of people. There's nothing to worry about. Sure. No, it makes a lot of sense, actually. You know, since we have a largely male audience here on the website, and a lot of them are, are younger and tend to be single or are going through the, the trials and tribulations of relationship, of serial monogamy, right, which is really what it is, inevitably, these are skills that even somebody in a relationship would want to have. Because again, like I said, these are empowering skills. So, you know, with the phenomena of approach anxiety, which again is the same thing as walking into an interview and not having sweaty palms, giving that guy a firm handshake and stepping up and showing him that you're ready to take over this job. There is that same phenomenon of, of approach anxiety. So it's a really great metaphor for life in general. How do you deal with your customers or your, uh, I guess, clients that come to you and want to be coached with uh, approach anxiety? 
All right, well, let me, let me tell you something before I, I address that. There's, see, you go into a bar or a club, everybody thinks going later is better. I walk into a club or a bar at 9 o'clock. I go there before everybody's consumed alcohol. If you go to a bar, anybody that's listening to this, go to a bar at 9 o'clock. Watch how the men and the women are all huddled in their own circles. The women are, their states have not been elevated yet, meaning they're not confident yet. Everybody's worried about everyone. It's called the spotlight theory. We all worry about what everybody else thinks of us. Meanwhile, we don't realize that everybody else is worried about the same thing. Nobody really cares. Yes, exactly. Now, what happens, sure. As night goes on, alcohol actually allows you to, after like two or three beers, allows you to be yourself. It's a social lubricant. So as that happens, you'll notice that the, the energy and the guys will start approaching the women and the women will start getting their egos because they go there to get their egos validated, almost like going there with an empty cup. And the more that the, the music gets louder and the more they drink and the more guys come up to them, the more their egos get pumped up and the more power they feel. If I want to build a connection with a woman or women at a bar, I'll go there while all the men are still afraid and not in state, meaning not confident yet because they haven't drank enough. They're sitting there pounding down beers to get up the courage to start talking to the girls. So while everyone's still in their little circles, like the group of girls that came out, the three, groups of, three girls over here, the three girls over there, the five guys in the corner over there, I'll go and I'll build, I'll, I'll walk right in and I'll just be like, hey, what's going on? Are you guys over here mail bashing? What are you laughing about? I just saw you bust out into a big laugh. What's going on? And then, boom, I'll just go right into, you know, I'll, I'll make a witty observation or I'll just start talking. I don't even need to use an opener. You know, I'll just, whatever comes to mind. Um, and they're amazed because they know that the social pressure, they know everybody is listening, they can hear me. Um, it's just like you can't wear a cowboy hat to, I guarantee you most of us that are listening to this can't walk into a bar and wear a cowboy hat. Why? Because there's social pressure. If I, if I walk in with a cowboy hat and I'm totally like relaxed, joking around, laughing, walking up to people talking, that subconsciously tells all the females and males in the room that I'm a threat to the males and I'm an attractor to the females because the females know I'm used to taking the social pressure and not caring and I'm confident enough to walk in. But is anybody afraid to wear a baseball cap? No. Why? Because everybody does it. We are afraid. We're mostly herd mentality. We want to fit in. An alpha male doesn't care. And as far as what, addressing your question, as far as how do I, how would I train somebody to get over this? Well, look, I mean, if you wanted to ask a girl, let's say you're walking down the street and you see a, a woman that's, you know, exactly your type. You're walking down the street and, you know, you want to find out where McDonald's is. Well, if you don't have an agenda and you've never studied any of this stuff and you're not trying to pick her up, you have a girlfriend or whatever, you go, excuse me, where's McDonald's? Is there a McDonald's around here? I heard there's one within walking distance of here. And she'd be like, yeah, it's right over there. But now let me, let me change it. Let, let me change the frame on that. Now let me say that I'm coaching you. And I say to you, listen, go walk up to that girl and ask where McDonald's is. All of a sudden you're in your head. You're going, oh my God. Or she thinks I'm weird. Uh, I, I can't just approach her. She's strange. Uh, but, but that's because it's outcome dependency. He knows that he's in his head. Now, it, it, once you become confident, it, it doesn't matter because you don't care what other people think of you. And that's the whole point of this whole thing. So how I do it is I progressively desensitize, like all of the dating coaches know. Um, a lot of this is cognitive behavioral therapy, really. Um, that's the baseline root of most of this stuff. And what you do is you may start out with just telling, I may just start out with telling people that I coach, 
just go ask where McDonald's is. Just go, you know, just go and ask where Starbucks is. And then I'll say, all right, listen, go talk to old women. They were young and pretty at once. Go talk to them. And they remember what it was like. Now, they'll be much, much more receptive to talking to you because they're older. They don't get the attention. They enjoy it. Or go practice on women that work, at, you know, cashiers, girls that work at clothing stores. They're paid. They have to be friendly to you. So you can start with conversations there. A lot of times I'll say, hey, look, you know, uh, just go up and say, you know, can you help me find some jeans? Now, them knowing that they're doing that to practice will make them nervous in and of itself. It's almost like this. Um, another thing that I've done actually as an experiment is I've asked people, and most people say no. If you would be at a stoplight and you saw an old couple on your right-hand side and your left-hand side at a light, would you be embarrassed to pick your nose would you care what those people, the, the older couples, let's say there were four older women in the car. Of course not. Of course not. Yeah. What if they were 20? <clears throat> yes, you would. Why? Why, Brian? I would guess the reason is because I look at those women and, and instinctively I look at them as having higher value. And so I want to impress them in some way. It's just an instinctual reaction, I guess, right? That is correct. And okay. you're putting you're putting weight on it. Your, your nervous system, your whole reptilian brain knows that that's yes. demonstration low value. They have no, you, there's no mating opportunity there, so there's no weight on you picking your nose. But your brain, you picking your nose in front of those girls, even though you're not going to be saying anything to them, just the fact that they're laughing in your mind, you're still in the tribe. You're still in yes. the tribe. This is, Jeff, this is what I like about you. You really get this because there are so much of what we do. Like I said before you came on the show, we're just wind-up dolls. We're just, we're just really playing out these programs. Like, for example, last time was the Oscars. People have no idea. Why a celebrity, why do people look at these people as demigods? And the reason is, of course, it goes back to evolutionary psychology because way back when we had these tribal systems – the alpha male or the king and the queen, they were treated like celebrities. So we looked at them with a, with a word called deference, right? And of course then, as societies grew larger and larger, we didn't necessarily know the king and queen anymore, but we still looked at them as celebrity or with deference. And so that's why these idiots out there in Hollywood that are a bunch of losers, really, all of them, a lot of them, we still give them, like, look at Kim Kardashian. It's pathetic. I cannot believe but, you just said that, Brian. Oh, my God. This I'm is an example. I mean, it's like... You're, bu you're bugging me out because David Wigand, I was actually reading a news article that, he, that I subscribed to from him. I swear to God, I was going to bring it up. And it, you beat me to it by a second. He said, I would never date Kim Kardashian. And he, he, and he said, you know why? Because of my values. He saw a show of her, and I agree with him. I wouldn't either. She is very superficial. She's not a woman. She's really a girl in a woman's body. Totally. And and she has no depth to her. So in that sense, so true. there wouldn't be any connection. And I, you know, I, I went through this, this transitional phase and this is what happens when you go on a journey of you know, personal transformation and development and self-actualization is that you start off with you know, desperation and, and wanting attractive women. So I went through the stage of wanting all these women and placing all this higher value on girls that were good looking. And what happened was I started to date one after another and I started thinking, you know what? They poop, they fart, 
they pick their noses. I, I started asking girls that I was dating or friends and stuff, and said, be, be honest, <laughs> they all will tell you that they use a tissue. Guess what? They use their pinky because they're upstairs and they have to do all. Okay? They, you know, you're, you're talking to them. They are, they're holding in gas. There's times when you've been talking to girls and they got a fart. They're holding in that gas at that moment. You know, as God forbid she did that, that would be a demonstration of lower value. That's, women want us to think they don't poop. And you know what? I got to be honest. When I was in seventh grade, I did, I thought they, you know, crap flowers, you know, <laughs> because they look so pretty. I mean, picture Cindy, uh, not Cindy Crawford, picture uh, Julia Roberts, a pretty woman when she was wearing that dress and those, those the white gloves and, uh, what's his name, um, Richie Gere snaps the box on her and she giggles. I mean, can you picture her, you know, having, you know, the taco shits and, you know, you know, you know, making all these noises and then coming out looking beautiful? You just don't match the two. But if you can get it in your mind and look at all the disgusting things that you do, they do. I mean, they have noses like us, they have butts sure. like us, they have fingers like us. So think about all the things that you do, all the stinky things you do, you know, you go to wipe your butt, oops, it's on my hand. If you think yeah. of all those things and you break that down and you don't fall into this facade of, of uh, seeing them as goddesses, if you break them down and these human beings are recognized and you could see past the social facade, they want you to see them as this higher. But, you know, they spend hours in the bathroom just getting ready uh, to look pretty, to attract men. And yes. then well, the whole the beauty industry really is geared. I mean, you know what? People, women typically all often deny this. I mean, I've heard a lot of my friends say, I want to look good for myself. And I'm like, well, hang on a second. If you are on a desert island with no chance of being rescued, would you really care about your cellulite or about your wrinkles? And they thought, they pause and they go, you know what? You're right. I really wouldn't care. So they kind of get it then. People don't get this stuff because it's kind of deep. The truth all is, right. dude, as you probably agree, we define our existence in the context of our social society. The I, Kim Kardashian is who she is precisely because she's shallow enough to be that kind of, of just a, a, a superficial image. Because any girl with any kind of brains or substance would never lower herself to that kind of position in life. So it's a really good example of how who you think of as you, Jeff, as you know, is just an illusion. It's really a, it's an artificial construct of the group. What you're saying, what you just said before about why women put on makeup, you know, and, you know, if they were on an island or whatever, women put on makeup for three, re for three reasons, and I've caught them on this. Okay, just like they say that they go out to just dance, they're not going out to just dance whether they have boyfriends or not. They have an unconscious replication agenda that forces them, especially in their teens and 20s, that's why people in their 20s go out more, because usually our ancestors usually had mates, and that's why our drive to go out and listen to loud music and pick up chicks dies when we get into our 30s, and really starts to die as you get into your mid and late 30s, you're like, I just can't deal with the, you know, the BS anymore, and the games, you get tired of them. But women yeah. put on makeup for three reasons. One, to compete with other women. Two, to make themselves attractive enough for guys to hit on them. And the third one is something that I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. but they, they actually, they do it to compete with other women, to make themselves have a higher self-esteem in that moment, and to attract as much men as they possibly can so they have options in men. I mean, if you look at a woman without lipstick and eyeliner, there's a huge difference. And if you look at these magazines now, it's distorting uh, women's minds beyond compare. And now, and since, since the 80s, they've been doing it with men with bodybuilding and all this other stuff. Uh, you know, back in the 70s, we wore mustaches, long hair, we didn't care. Now it's more of a, 
you know, a metrosexual society, and they're putting pressure on men to look as good and pretty, pretty up the two. But what's happening is if you look at magazines, you'll see that these women have this aloof type of, I'm better than you look. And they're almost like, you can't touch me. You can look yes. at me, feel free to entertain me, but I'm higher status than you. And, and they have these looks, like these poses with these pouched lips and, you know, their chin and their nose is pointed up in these pictures and this body language that they use. And yes. it's four so biological. Time. You're so right, buddy. Wake up in the morning with them when, you know, they go into the bathroom and they have all the makeup off and they're, they're not so pretty and they're push-up bras or this and they got a little cellulite walking around but they're wearing the pants when they're going out of the skirt or there's the shoes that make their, uh, the high heels that make their butts protrude and they stick them out consciously and unconsciously and it also makes their calf muscles look more muscular and, you know, they pouch their breasts out. Just like when, when, when guys go out, the ones that are insecure will puff their chests out, will literally cause their chest to look bigger so that we look more intimidating and more masculine to the women so the thing is about men and women and, and attracting women and women attracting men is this um, the polarities have to be opposites um, and what I mean by that I'm not sure if I'm using it in the right context but I'll explain it to you in layman's terms is the more masculine the man the more feminine the woman has to be the more feminine the woman is, the more she's attracted to a masculine man. That's why you'll see very, very dainty, beautiful women dating guys in high school and college that are very nice and sweet and have good manners and, you know, dress great with these thugs or these guys that are always getting in fights and in and out of jail or beating them up. I mean, it's, you know, with David D'Angelo, whose real name is Evan Pagan, said and came up with, uh, attraction isn't a choice. You know, That's right. it's basically, you know, if you go into a conversation, if you walk up to a woman and you go into a conversation with her and she doesn't like what she's hearing you say, how you dress, your nonverbals, there's nothing you can do to attract her. No amount of money, no amount of... Of good trying. looks even, right? Even good looks doesn't matter. Women are much more sophisticated no. in their filtration system, aren't women, they? Women, women are superior to us. We're, they are. They're superior. They're superior in... Hail women. Hail women. They have better eyesight. Their peripheral vision is like twice what we have. The reason why women go to, to the bathroom in groups is because <laughs> in tribal times, they had to go in the woods. So they would oh, go yeah. in groups. They wouldn't get killed. Now, if men go to the bathroom in groups, they look like homos or they're going in the bathroom to it's do... It's like a circle together. jerk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't go exactly. to Penn State and go to the bathroom. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. Wherever that was. But, <laughs> but this, this is the truth. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate that people don't understand why... You know, we're having to learn to be men. And it's a lot of it has to do with we didn't have the right, you know, there's, there's so much pressure oh, in society. Sure. People are turning into alcoholics and they have no father figures. So we're having to take, you know, an artificial way of turning on the man circuits. And once you become alpha and you're comfortable in your own body, you can just naturally be cool just by being you, just being yourself, being real, not being afraid to be silly and goofy like you are once you've downed two or three or four beers. If you were to keep alcohol out of bars and clubs, you would see a very strange environment. And yes. I'll tell you what, pretty women are actually, this is something I want to expose to everybody here that doesn't know it, that's listening. And then you can direct me as to what else you'd like to talk about. Sure. Pretty women are actually easier to 
um, I don't like the word pickup. It's like, what, am I going to pick you up over my back? You know? To me, to, yeah. I use pickup. Pickup is just a, a male terminology for flirting. Okay? Yeah. But it's, not, it's got a negative connotation to it, so I don't use it. it. But if you are to flirt, with an attractive woman and you know how to do it competently and you pass her, her confidence tests, which are also known as shit tests. And you know, she's like, you know, oh, what's with those shoes or whatever. I'm like, what are you talking about? These are the coolest badass shoes I've ever had in my life, man. Everybody should be wearing these. I mean, come on now. You have, you know, your tastes are terrible. And okay, I just passed the confidence test. I didn't qualify myself to her. And then I start joking around with her or whatever. And I'm just totally joking around. I'm teasing her. We're having regular conversations. I'm saying, you know, so what nationality? She's telling me she's Greek. I'm like, oh, wow, have you ever been to Greece before? She's like, no, but I've been to Italy. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm Italian. I was like, I always wanted to go there because, you know, the cobblestones and, like, the villages and stuff. And, you know, it's my native country. And we're in a conversation. We're just joking around. And then I'm like, hold on. You got a little something over here by your nose. Or you say something stupid like, you know, I really like your eyes, especially the left one. You know, and you're joking around. <laughs> she's laughing. What this girl is saying to herself is, oh, my God, a guy that can finally be himself around me. He hasn't mentioned that I'm pretty. He hasn't put me on a pedestal. I've thrown cocky, sarcastic remarks at him, and he doesn't care. Girls love it when we give them attitude. We hate it when they give us attitude. And what the problem is, why girls are easier, are really super, super attractive women are so much easier to pick up or to flirt with, get their number and go out with and date, is because most guys act super, super super weird around attractive women. They talk about their money. They talk about, you know, if they have muscles, they'll flex or pull up their shirt and show their abs. And they just qualify themselves. They tell them they'll buy them cars. I mean, I knew a guy that was friends with her and uh, with this girl and he just wanted, he bought her car just so that he, you know, when he got drunk, she, cause she didn't have a car, she would take him home. And he could drink. Now, indirectly, he was doing that to try to, you know, eventually date her. Like most guys, they call them orbiters in the community, um, which I'm referring to as a group of men that, you know, study this stuff on a regular basis on how to attract women. But that's not the way to go. So if you could just be yourself and not be weird around attractive women, they're drawn to you. So the guys that are ugly or that are average looking, you know, you rationalize it for your own self-esteem and ego, oh, he has money. No, he's got confidence. He's got a swagger. It's the swagger that women are attracted to. Yeah. That's what it's about. You yeah, know, like Bruce point. Willis isn't classically, Bruce Willis isn't classically handsome. Okay, Tom Cruise is, Brad Pitt is. But Bruce Willis has a swagger. He's cocky. He's funny. He He's just got to go, you know, no bullshit, you know, straight to the point. He'll call girls on their bullshit. And that's another thing that women that are of beauty love to be called out on their bullshit. You know, not being manipulated with flowers and gifts. And sweet. When they say they want all that stuff, they want that in the second phase. You know, there's a guy named Peyton Kane that I've, I've studied under. And he says that there's three phases. The first phase is when you meet the girl. That's when you're cocky, you joke around, you bust their balls, you tease them. The second phase is after you have sex. That's when you can tell them that they're attractive and that, you know, you really like them a lot and stuff like that. And, you know... Um, the third phase is when you're in a deep relationship. 
you can, you know, totally be yourself. You, but the girl, women are always going to test your confidence. That's why they'll start fights with you for no reason. They want to see that you're going to come back and you're going to say, no, this is what we're doing. Because what winds up happening is, if you haven't noticed, most women, women by nature are more controlling than men. And they can't, a lot of women try to take control of the relationship. And in the moment, they seem angry when you go against them, but it secretly turns them on. I actually had my uh, girlfriend, uh, she was uh, in a cranky mood, and she didn't want to, you know, be intimate with me that night. And I, she's like, I'm not in the mood. I'm da 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 So what I did was I actually said, come here. Uh, she was in our bathroom. I said, come here. She was sitting in the kitchen. I said, come over here. I grabbed a hand. I brought her in the room. I threw her down on the bed. I held her hands up, you know, like, you know, above her head. I held her down. And I said, tell me you want me right now and that you're going to love every moment of it. And she, smart, she smiled. She started giggling. And mm, we had some seriously good sex. It was that dominance, that male dominance that turned her on. If I had let, let her stay in that mood, Brian... And I said, oh, but why not? Like logically reasoning with her. Women respond to their emotional states, not what you try to logically, you know, persuade them to do. If I had sat there and been like, oh, come on, I haven't had sex in a while, you know, I'm really horny and da-da-da-da-da, she would have stayed in that mood. The fact that I hit some reptilian circuit in her brain of dominance, which turns them on. It's like our dominance turns us on as much, this is, this is the bottom line. I'm going to wrap it up with this, and then you can ask me what you want or talk about whatever. Masculinity and being alpha and, and being like Bill Clinton or Bruce Willis or having a swagger and being confident is, is exactly like this. If you met a woman, you'll notice women in sports like volleyball, swimmers, runners, most of the women have square shoulders and no hips. The reason they are in more aggressive sports and women fighting, you'll notice no hips and square shoulders, usually not big breasts. They are genetically, they genetically have higher testosterone levels. They're more masculine. And this is the deal. You, if you meet a woman, if you're an alpha male and you're masculine, okay, like I said before, women want, a, you know, the more feminine she is, the more she'll be attracted to you if you're masculine. You have to make sure, it would be like this. If you met a woman, and she was a, be a beautiful woman, but she had a deep voice, I don't even have to ask, and ask you the question. You wouldn't be attracted to her. It was just because of her deep voice. So it's like Mike Tyson, right? You would think you would have a really deep voice. If he wasn't Mike Tyson, do you know how, much problem, how many problems he would have trying to attract women? So we're attracted to very, very feminine women because, number one, um, you know, it's completely the opposite of what we are. And number two, the more feminine they are and the bigger their hip-to-waist ratio is, the more that tells us that they're fertile. Sure. And I could go on and on, but I want to let you steer it a little bit because if there's questions that you want me to answer about for women or go in a different direction... Well, I mean, you I know, one thing that, that you and I both agree on that I think is very interesting is just how much of what we take for granted in our lives is really going on um, subconsciously. Like, for example, uh, attraction isn't a choice. Famous line by Eben Pagan. Uh, what happens, of course, is that uh, two people meet 
and their unconscious programs register these cues, the data coming in. And then, of course, it filters up into their conscious mind and the ego weaves a story making them think, you're picking this person for this reason, this reason. It's all bullshit because really it's happening unconsciously. They've done studies where they've had women just smell men's sweaters and then they've had the same men in a large party and the women invariably picked the same sweater. They ended up finding the guy with the same pheromones attractive. Now they said, well, I like him because he's a lawyer, he makes money or whatever, whatever. It's all bullshit. It's all happening unconsciously. And the conscious mind, of course, then is weaving a story. So with that said, there is this idea of having deep inner game of really, you know, this is what the show is dedicated to, Jeff, is really going inside and not trying to build bigger muscles or having a bigger wallet, which are all good things, but having a sense of resilience or a sense of of core integrity that can't be taken away no matter the circumstance. It's almost like Spartacus in the arena. That guy to the Tony Robbins talks about. So maybe can you just spend a couple of minutes talking about, you know, some tips you'd recommend for people getting that deep inner game as it's called? Yes. I'm going to say one thing that is something that a lot of people aren't aware of. And you touched on it for a second about the, the sweaters and smelling. There are, and I don't know if you've experienced it, but I have, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have as well. And there's a reason for it. And I'm going to explain it to you right now. As far as smell goes, we have so many, there's so many, I mean, I, you and I could talk for hours if we had to break everything down onto why we're attracted. Just like I said, if you spoke to a woman and everything that you said she didn't like, she wouldn't be attracted to you. But if she spoke to you and everything that you said she did like, she would not be able to help but be attracted to you. It's like if I said to you, Brian, don't think Cindy Crawford's hot. You can't go push a button and go, I don't think she's hot. I don't want to have sex with her just because you decide to. It's not a conscious choice. You're either attracted or you're not. Yes. So what we're saying about the smell, there's another thing. There's another issue. We are not attracted as far as pheromones and stuff. There's, a, there's another thing. It's our immune systems. We are not attracted to people that have immune systems that are similar to ours. Yes, We're attracted right. to people that have varied, that have the more opposite their immune system is to us, the better it is. And the stronger your immune system is, the more the women who have the opposite immune system of yours are going to be attracted to you. So that's why wow, that's a great point. The show is somebody, so dedicated to being healthy, man. I love that point. Do you go to kiss somebody? Do you ever go and kiss a girl? and it felt like incest or the taste of her saliva has been wrong repeatedly or you went to have sex and it just didn't feel right or she didn't smell right down there whatever you're not meant to meet I have met girls okay and I'll tell you this my girlfriend I smell her ears they're like roses I smell her hair unconditioned unwashed for two three days whatever I am so attracted to it it's unbelievable and it has to do with, like, we were meant, we were meant to mate. You'll even be with a woman that you're supposed to be with. If you're meant to mate, you will actually come at the same time. You'll orgasm at the same time. And that will help for her to become impregnated. There's, yes. there's so much to do with smell. But as far as having, do you want me to go into uh, having more of a rock salad foundation as far as what? 
with women. Well, with you what? know, you hit upon it earlier in the show because I think you got a good point. I mean, I really believe in like the paleo getting back to our roots and that your emotional centeredness and your sense of being alpha is really intrinsic to doing things that come natural. Like we, we were meant to forage. We're meant to get out in the woods and exercise. So maybe going to the gym if you can't get out in the woods. We're meant to do like to fight as an example too. I think a lot of guys can build confidence by learning how to defend themselves as an example. You know, it's just one more shield they can put up. So, you know, just maybe a share okay. a few things about the journey inward. Well, I'll tell you this. We all have inner turmoil. Okay, until you kill these inner turmoils, all right, when you meet a woman, you have your lust exposed, you have your vanity exposed, you have uh, your... You have all these types of insecurities that are running through your head if you don't like me. Uh, you know, if you're not wearing the right clothes, you might not be as confident. You have all these inner turmoils going on to you inside your head. And if you're thinking about those things, you can't listen to the woman speaking to you. So, therefore, you're thinking as she's talking about, okay, what am I going to say next? What am I going to say next? So, you don't have the faculties to your brain to your social muscles to be able to listen and respond to what she says. So like the girl says to me, um, I have a cat and the cat went to the bathroom on the mat. She just gave me two things to talk about. Oh, you have a cat? Oh, that's so funny. I have two cats. Um, one is Sarah and one is Merritt. And I have the, it's really cool. You know, it does tricks. I told him to sit, lay down, roll over. You know, she talks about a mat. You know, like you're reminding me of Matt. You know, what do you call a guy with no arms and no legs? Bob. What do you call a guy with no arms and no legs? Matt. You know, like I just threw out two things there. But as far as getting rid of our, killing our inner turmoils, you, you at first you have to mask them. You have to mask them and then you have to kill them. And until you kill them all, okay, and what I mean by masking them is going out and doing your approaches. So if you have trouble and you want to meet women, or if there's women that want to meet men and be more aggressive, which there's nothing wrong with it if you do it in a feminine way. But if you want to kill your inner turmoils socially with your, and get your social muscles stronger, you can't just read about it. You have to actually go out and do it. And you have to kill those inner turmoils. And how you do that is by going up to people, going up to men, going up to women, and just starting off with, hi, how you doing? Okay, you do that for a little while. Then maybe you do an opinion opener. Oh, hey, um, you know, um, I, I had, my friend and I were talking about, I don't know what nationality I look. I mean, do I look Scandinavian? Some people think I look Irish. What would you say? I'm trying to figure it out. And whoever, you know, tells me the most, I guess that's what I look like. You know, um, or I'm going for a commercial audition. How old do I look to you? Any, anywhere from 30 to 40. What's the age that you would think that I am? Okay, so you practice that for a while. And then after that, you go on into the conversation. Now, while you're in that interaction, you may be trembling inside. And I know I was for a long time because I was actually exposing myself to vulnerability. See, what guys do is they go overboard. They go bravado. See, they could be like, they're not putting their true self on the line. When you walk up, to, when these guys walk up to girls, they're like, yo, how are you doing? They're pimping it out. They're putting on a pimple. Yo, what's up? How are you doing? Yeah, ba ba ba. So that way, if they get blown off, they haven't been in them true selves. They can go, oh, she blew me off because I put on my fake self. It's not yeah. my true me. When you drop your ego you are actually building up core strength little by little by, by going out and risking it, putting your real self on the line and saying, you know what, I'm just going to walk up to this person and say, 
you know, I'm going to ask them, you know, how old do I look? And I'm going to be real about it. And then you're going to go in and you're going to say, or what nationality am I? And you're going to be real about it. And then you're going to go, that's interesting. You're going to push yourself through that fear. You're going to mask your fear. You're going to, you could be trembling inside, but you're going to try to hold it together. And then you're yes. going to have a conversation with this person. And even if you mess it up a thousand times, you will slowly desensitize yourself to the point and you will build your social muscles just like bodybuilding. You will get stronger and stronger and the neural pathways in your brain will get to the point where you can go on any topic. I mean, I do an exercise with my, my guys and I say, I'll say a word to them and I'll have them go off on it. And a lot of them stumble at first. Like, give me a, give me a word. This is one of the best ways to develop conversational skills. You want me to give you a word right now? Give me you know, nothing too complex, layman. You know, keep it simple. Give me a word. Cracker. My girlfriend actually has. Um, it's funny that you mentioned crackers, Brian. My girlfriend and I were just talking on the phone tonight, and she has. Um, she actually has low blood pressure, and she's like, "I gotta, I gotta load up on um, crackers. I gotta load up <laughs> on salt." I got to load up on salt. And so she's going out actually tonight. Ironically, again, you beat me to something else before. And she's actually loading up on crackers tonight because she has low blood sugar, uh, blood pressure, and it helps, um, it helps it to rise. Boom. One more. Um, you know, uh, spaghetti. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I actually, um, I used to eat spaghetti like every day. And I found out one time when I was 16 that if you put spaghetti, uh, you know, spaghetti sauce and you put butter in it and you mix the butter and the spaghetti sauce together, it tastes so much better. I don't know. I, have you ever done that? Uh, yeah, I have actually. It's pretty good. I like it with a little bit of garlic too. So I get your point. The point is to develop the ability to quick, quickly take a word and think of something meaningful to talk about around it. And then, and then this is the biggest thing. What you do is, you know, a lot of people are against routines. So we all have routines, okay? So people put a negative connotation on it. It's all about the way you frame it, you know? Um, here's the deal. A girl has a routine. She, her routine is, you know, hi, what's your name? Where you're from? Uh, what? Actually, let me let me stop. That's more of a guy's routine. Now that's a routine. That's the only routine he knows. Hi, how you doing? Where you from? Oh, that's cool. Are you having fun tonight? Oh, um, are you going to school for anything? And her routine that she's playing is answering all these questions and telling up her job. That's boring to her. So as a, a social skill builder. You take routines. I don't take fake routines. There are fake routines out there. What you do is I have people write down in bullet points the time I sat on a piece of pizza, the time I went to Great Adventure, the time I you know went to the laundromat and all my clothes were ruined. So that, and if they learn five stories, guys that are really good socially tell the same stories over and over again. And if you learn like five or six different, uh, even for like, let's say Starbucks, and you just adapt it to McDonald's when you're there, and you, you know, like uh, you're in front, there's a girl in front of you. Oh, what are you drinking? Oh, uh, 
uh, espresso. You know, I find the espresso here to be really bitter, but it's like rocket fuel. I mean, I would inject it if I could. And boom, you have a conversation, you're in that, you know, the girl laughs, whatever. But what it's about is just learning five good stories. Like I tell guys, if they're on the phone and they're going to blank out, keep five conversational bullet point topics in front of you. So if you're blanking out, all of a sudden you're, you just can't think of anything to say, you have great adventure in front of you. And you go, you know what, sure. let me ask you a question. Have you ever been a great adventure? And what this is doing, again, is laying down neuro trackways in your brain and building your conversational muscles to the point, it's almost like improv class, to the point where you get so good at that and so fluent that you actually become a talking machine. I mean, you could throw anything at me and I'll throw it back at you. I mean, just and, and just having those things in case you blank it out. For some reason, your self-confidence is off. You're having a bad day. You didn't get enough sleep. You have those conversations in your head already down. Everybody has routines. It's just that yeah. most routines are boring. To stick out from the average guy is not that hard. It's just about spicing it up. I mean, there are tools. There's role-playing. There's sexual misinterpretation. There's cold reads. And, you know... Just having a few tools in your belt and learning a few stories will separate you from the hordes of guys that are just going and saying the same thing over again. Hi, what's your name? Where are you from? Oh, that's cool. You're very pretty. Uh, do you come here a lot? They're sick of it. And, and spicing it up with funny stuff. A guy comes over and tries to tool you, you learn a few comebacks. One of mine, yeah. guy goes over, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I, one time I was flexing when I was younger and stupid, and he's like, oh, you're flexing your muscles, huh? Let me see, flex your arms for me, flex your arms for me. And if by me flexing my arms to him, I'd be qualifying himself. What I would say now is, uh, listen, you're really cute, but uh, I only date black or Korean, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, exactly. Boom. I've blown him out. Now he's shut down. Once most guys, that's the test. He's trying to bait. He's trying to put me in a role. He's trying to get me to qualify. He's expecting me to bait him myself, and I'm not falling into his frame. And these are the things that people have to do. They have to learn stories, tell them over and over again, so that if they're blanking out on the phone, they can build their social muscles, and eventually sure. they'll be able to run free with it. Yeah, yeah, no, it sounds good. Hey, Jeff, we're out of time, man. If anybody wants to connect with you, because I do think you're a phenomenal coach, um, way beyond just developing uh, dating skills, but I think even, like you said, developing deeper in a game and stuff, how can they reach you, buddy? Uh, they can reach me at learndatingmagic.com. That's learndatingmagic.com, or they can call me at 631-258-8595. Again, 631-258. 8595. I'm actually, Brian, just so you know, I'm a little uh, upset that we're out of time already because I didn't really get to touch on uh, the deeper aspects on how to build, uh, you know, solid rock confidence. But go out and, and socialize. Talk to everybody. Start it off with baby steps. Just say hi to people if that's all you can do. And try to maintain eye contact with women. You'll find it's very hard to do. And go from there. That's awesome, buddy. No, we got to get you on with part two. I think you have a lot of really good social building skills that people, men and women both, really need to understand. From a handshake to the way you position your body when you're conversing with somebody to the eye contact you maintain, these are all subtle cues. As you know, nonverbal communication is most of the communication we do, and it really does say a lot about who we are. So we'll have to get you back it on, buddy, for sure. Says almost yeah. everything, like 90%. And women are so much, they're 10 times better at reading it than we are. It's ridiculous. Yes. Yes, exactly. So once again, that website is learn 
datingmagic.com to learn more about Jeff and to get on his list or email him or contact him about maybe one-on-one coaching or something like that. LearnDatingMagic.com. I just want to thank you once again for tuning in. I do phone coaching. If you're in another state or something, I do phone coaching as well. And guys, just so you know, don't feel funny about calling. I know it feels like you're not a man and that you should be able to learn this stuff on your own. Let me tell you something. By going through a dating coach, you can keep it a secret if you have to for the time being. You will be so far ahead of your friends and you will have so many girls you won't know what to do with. And you're the one that's actually going to win. Your friend will snicker in the beginning, but you'll be the one that wins at the end when you have six girls on and you have too many dates and you don't know what to do with. Okay, buddy, we got to go, man. We will definitely get you on very soon. Once again, thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is Quantum Physiques. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. Quantum Physiques with Brian Cunningham is dedicated to harnessing the power of the holy grail of health, fitness, lifestyle, and success. And you'll hear Quantum Physiques every Wednesday evening only on rxmuscle.com.